24 hours about Swayze Or Alex Smith on pizza or whatever Sal wants to talk about Well, you know this is the music And lyrics that tell you This is a podcast that I do Now it's time to start the show Hello and welcome to This Is A Podcast That I Do. I am your host, Salvatore Stefanelli, and we have a very special episode for you today because today I am joined by three of my friends in the fantasy football community, and we're going to be doing a sort of homage to the uh, John Favreau-hosted IFC show called Dinner for Five. For the people who are unaware of that show... Uh, John Favreau would sit around a uh, dining room table with some of the most interesting people in Hollywood. I'm joined by some of the most interesting people in the fantasy community. Uh, And just like they would talk about anything, movies, life, we're going to do the same thing tonight. Have a good time. So this is the fantasy football version of that. Uh, We're going to be dubbing it Dinner for Four because I'm very uncreative and unoriginal when it comes to show titles. With three of my fantasy football friends who are on the line with me now. Uh, Chris Allen, Hassan Rahim, and John Solis. My friends, how are y'all doing this evening? And how about we start all that off with, um, we'll go with Chris and then John and Hassan. You guys can just introduce yourselves. Sure, and I mean, first, uh, thanks for having me on, Sal. Uh, I mean, we go back quite a ways, and I mean, John, Hassan, like we've, I mean, we've talked like quite a bit and interacted over the last couple of years as well. So it, it's great to get a chance to sit down with each and every one of you for the, for the first time. I mean, Sal, we've talked before, obviously. Uh, but, I mean, you can find me in quite a few places, uh, and we'll probably get to that um, in, a, in a little while. My contributions are various. We'll just leave it at that for the time being. Uh, but uh, for the most part, you can find me. My home is over at 444, uh, and I do the quarterback streaming column over there. Nice. And John? Thank you. Uh, uh, Sal, I'll echo... Uh, Chris's sentiments. Um, it, really, it wouldn't matter what kind of show it was. If it's your show, Sal, I'll, I'll, I'll show up and give it a go. Doesn't really <laughs> matter to me. Um, I'm John Solis. Uh, you can find me in one place. That's uh, uh, the app, Twitter, uh, where you can find me at, at Solis Report. Um, Devin McIntyre and I, that's uh, at Devin MCI, uh, uh, co host uh, the Solis Report. And it's a uh, comedy. Uh, a, a late night talk show filmed in front of a live studio audience. Um, uh, there's a, 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 an article that goes up in my name every week, also on rotaviz.com, but Devin writes it. So uh, that's true. <laughs> like, that's true. <laughs> I don't write one damn word of that article. Um, the at So Leash Report on Twitter. Awesome. All right, Hassan, it's your turn next, buddy. Yeah, and so you can find uh, me over at Rotoviz as well. I'm a, I'm a lead writer, although I don't write very much anymore. And uh, I also co-host the Fantasy Football Report uh, on the uh, Rotoviz Radio Network with uh, my co-host uh, Blair Andrews, where it comes out every Monday, and him and I spend pretty much on Sunday dissecting some of the some of the changes made. We have on some exciting guests sometimes. Sometimes it's just him and me yelling at who should be ranked as the wide receiver one or two in Dynasty. It's just it's a bit of a new show meets fantasy meets uh, everything matters or not and much like Sal uh, and much like uh, Soli said Sal if it's your show I'm going to be there for it 
See, I need to get you guys just like to hang out with me in real life so that when I, I need some backup support, I can just be like, here's John, here's Hassan, just let them say a lot of good things about me. <laughs> uh, before we get started in the show, I just want to mention, John, you always seem so happy whenever I see you on video shows. Like, you have like the biggest smile. Is there anything that ever just gets you down? Um, You know what? I, I think when, and this doesn't happen too often, but. Uh, if we're all playing a game or something and I've got this idea in my head like, oh, my my uh, must-stash quarterback is, <laughs> is Gardner Minshew. And then Sal pipes up and he's like, you know who my must-stash quarterback is? Gardner Minshew. I might have a brief mental breakdown, uh, but that's not going to be translated to anyone in the podcast audience. So if you see me freaking out, just don't draw attention to it and we can preserve the uh, the illusion that I'm cool, calm, and collected at all times. Well, I'll have to take a screenshot and send this later out so people can see exactly what's going on tonight. Just the madness that is happening here. Please. Please do. <clears throat> so just like Dinner for Five, there's going to be a hodgepodge of topics. And I wanted to start off um, talking about beginnings. So John and Hassan, you both mentioned to me when I was research prepping for the show that uh, you had both entered writing contests on Rotoviz, um, <laughs> which you both lost. Uh, we won't get into that. <laughs> Uh, yet you both eventually ended up being integral parts of Rotoviz. So I kind of wanted to get into that a little bit with you both uh, before we talk about Chris's beginning. So what was uh, the writing contest process like? What spurred you guys to enter it? Do you remember what you wrote about? Did, did you guys enter the same contest? Do you remember who won? Um, I'll let uh, Hassan start us off with this one here. Yeah, absolutely. This was, uh, oh man, so long ago. This was back uh, in, I think it was like late, or, yeah, early 2017, where, where Rotovis put out like, uh, like a call. They were like, um, we want you to go into our forums. Yeah, there used to be forums back on Rotovis, remember? And, yeah. and they were like, we're, we're going to have a, um, a writing contest and we want you to use some of our tools, like namely the Prospect Lab, to write up a prospect and 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 put it down here. And there were a lot of really big names now today, if you recognize, uh, who have made it, uh, uh, their names on Twitter and across fantasy who entered this contest. So I was very lucky to get selected. But realistically, what what you what they wanted was to see if they could, if you could write about a prospect, like legibly, right? Like you 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 wanted to show that you you had an idea of how a prospect works, what drives fantasy scoring, and everything else. Um, I wrote about James Conner, a future bell cow back uh, all, all way back when. And I was kind of lucky because I actually um, took some of the work that I'd done for Matt Kelly and I kind of adapted it for Rotoviz, you know, showing how Conner can catch passes and so on and so forth. I, I, I didn't win the contest. And the one guy who won it is one of the sharpest fantasy football guys. I know he also wrote and he still also, I believe, still writes for Rotoviz, uh, John Lipinski. And there were a handful of other other guys who they brought on because of our ability to construct an argument, right? Like, can you logically follow a train of thought? And that's really what happened. So I I may have lost it, but in a sense, I was able to put my best foot forward for Rotoviz. And they were like, okay, we kind of like, you know, we like what you're doing. So you want to come on and write with us. And when you when you write with them, it is a fairly heavy editing process. Like they help you at least flesh out, they help you tease out who you will eventually become as an analyst. And I, I would strongly recommend for anyone who's thinking about it, uh, don't let self-doubt get in the way. Just take a plunge and just go for it because other people like you in this community at the very least, if even if you miss, you're, you're, you're taking a chance and you're trying to put something out there that's yours and you're going to eventually have to find your voice or you're just going to not 
you, you you're just going to end up not ever figuring it out and like i think everyone has something valuable to add in this community that's beautifully put um i think uh, the thing you nailed uh well you nailed the whole thing obviously because it's your story but um putting yourself out there that's that's the thing uh um everyone your your favorite writer whoever you are, your favorite writer is just like you in so many ways. And there's no secret edge. There's no secret knowledge, especially, you know, when you're doing the road of his contest and we're all using the road of his apps, the tools are there, you know, see what you can do. It, it, it's, it's exciting. And, and taking ownership of something is exciting. You know, you, you know, right now I, I called James Connor back in 2017 and, and there've been instances of true brilliance from James Connor. I was not as fortunate with the outcome of my call. I'm going to say this was 2013 or 2014. And and you historians out there, you'll know that Frank Gore was recently on the Colts for this. So maybe 2014. Uh, but my article was about uh, uh, Josh Robinson, who I had dubbed the bowling ball overlord of the planet opportunity because uh, I was a big Matt Friedman fan. And still am. I don't mean to say was. But to put you in the context of what was going on in my life, it was uh, uh, 2012, end of 2012, when I just got the shit kicked out of me in fantasy football uh, because I didn't know anything and I had drafted all Chargers, that's true, uh, and literally came in last place. And I said, enough, 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 enough. And I landed on um, Rotoviz because I was on Twitter and Mike Salfino was play arguing or real arguing with Davis Maddock. And I was like, dang, these guys are sharp. And where, where Mike's a Yahoo guy, I think, at that time or, or otherwise. Maybe I'm thinking of Scott Pianowski. But uh, 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 Davis was at Rotoviz. And I'm like, let me go check out Rotoviz. And then I find this Matt Friedman guy writing all these beautiful, uh, 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 really bits of literature uh, when a normal person would be talking about which running back should I be starting. I'm like, man, I love reading this guy. And I don't just love reading this guy. I want to write like this guy. So I did my best Matt Friedman impression, and I wrote an article saying Josh Robinson was better than Frank Gore could ever dream of being. And obviously he sucked. And no, I didn't win. And I don't even – I'm not a stats guy. Like, I didn't utilize any tools. But, you you know, I'm not here to do actionable stuff. I just did a Friedman article. And um, I believe it was R.I. Patriot. Do you guys know R.I. Mm -hmm. Patriot wrote uh, Rip? Patriot, however you say it, but his his name's Aaron, and he's insanely smart, and he's insanely funny, and he is actually analytical, and and just this brilliant dude. And he's not super active anymore, but uh, check him out on Twitter, R.I. Patriot. He won that year, and I had kind of the opposite experience uh, of you, Hassan, because after okay, so you got you guys to, to set the foundation. I was an insane Matt Friedman stand. Okay, like this was 2013. I'm like messaging him, giving him these compliments that he wasn't asking for, right? <laughs> but I was so enamored with his style of writing, and I wanted really to be just like him. If you if you are a road of his readers, you'll know that uh, my second recurring column there was actually called the Friedman Report, as a wink, you know, to my idol Matt Friedman. But after I contributed and I lost, he said, "You know what? I think you'd be a good fit over it." At uh, player profiler, do you like Matt Kelly? And um, you know, I was listening to Matt Kelly all the time. My my now fiance called him the yelling guy because we'd be <laughs> studying for the bar exam, and there's this guy screaming 
about Devonta Freeman. Devonta Freeman, right? And and he was the yelling guy. And uh, I was like, yeah, I can work with him. And I became the first editor of uh, PlayerProfiler.com. And I wrote the first article on PlayerProfiler.com. It was a puff piece on Lamar Miller, my favorite player ever. Um, but yeah, I eventually uh, uh, um, made my way back to Rotoviz and and did that and Player Profiler together for some time. Um, and uh, uh, now I don't really do anything. So uh, much easier now. Man, we're like... 10 minutes into this podcast and it's everything I imagined and hoped that it would be. That might've just been the best Matt Kelly impression I've ever heard in my life. Right. We, we, I thank you. That's high praise. I'll take it. If you, if you said that, uh, I reminded you of Matt Kelly, I'd take that as a great compliment. So that's fine. I love how Hassan mentioned like 2017 as if it was like 20 years ago. It was like way back <laughs> when 2017, it was like three, three years ago. Seem to be four. There's entire guys who we have doubted who have come and gone through the league, uh, and and no one no one would remember them. Does anyone remember D'Angelo Yancey? <laughs> like, come on, God. Oh, yeah, no, you could have made him up just now. <laughs> you could have absolutely made him up. Uh, uh, before we get to to your beginning there, Chris, I just want to touch on something Hassan mentioned about uh, you know if not to self doubt yourself. If you want to become a part of this industry or just like write an article or even like reach out to a website like, hey, I have this idea. Do you think maybe it would work with your website is to just go for it. Just do it. You know, you guys both entered writing contests. Uh, one of the reasons why I was spurred into writing is I was writing like dissertation length message board replies in my fantasy leagues about how, you know, Frank Gore isn't injury prone just because he's been injured every year. And it just got to the point where, like, if I'm writing thousands of words on a message board, maybe I should find a website to write for. So, you know, believe in yourself, shoot your shot, as they say. I see people on Twitter all the time that reply to other writers. No one replies to me about fantasy advice anymore because no one cares about what I have to say. <laughs> but I always see people replying to others saying, like, I could do what you do. I mean, the thing is, yeah, yeah, you can. You definitely can. You might even be able to do it better. But the thing is, like, you actually have to do it. You know, mm -hmm. we, we would spend hours and hours researching articles, writing articles. If you're willing to put in the work, just go for it. Just do it. Like, what's the worst that happens? Someone could say your fantasy advice sucks. I'm like, well, let me tell you something. It probably does. And there's worse things in this world. A hundred percent. And uh, I guess before I get into, uh, into like my beginnings or I don't know, origin story, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Uh, I, I would say that that's that's a hundred percent correct. And uh, like, while it it may come off on Twitter because you can't really like discern tone uh, and like what people. I mean, because most of the folks that are that are doing that, it's the interactions between uh, the people with like let's say three hundred followers and like the people with blue checks and like the verified accounts. I mean, that's typically where it comes from because those are the guys that have like the massive platforms, or whatever, to spout off whatever takes that they might have. And I've seen like a number of folks say, like, yeah, you could do this job, too. And I mean, that's not and that's not a slight or not. I don't think like while it might be meant like semi sarcastically, I mean, they like I don't I wouldn't think that like folks should really take it that way. If you want to sit up on 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 any sort of social media platform and just spout takes and have like at least some sort of like logical like a sense behind why you're making the take, then, then do that. I mean, 
I think a lot of what comes uh, comes behind like why we why any of us do what we do is because there's passion behind it. I mean, you're either trying to answer a question or come up with a with a funny bit that's related to related to football or whatever. But there's there's some sort of I guess interest. I mean, common love or joy that you get from from doing it. Like while I might not say that. Like I have just the, you know, absolute joy of just like staring at spreadsheets like every, you know, every evening. <laughs> but I mean, but at least, you know, that I still have, you know, there's still, I have nothing but uh, love for sitting down and like, I do have some love for writing and uh, I guess staying connected to the football world and understanding what's going on on a day by day basis and uh, like learning more about the game itself and better understanding the mechanics that go into it and what's and what matters and what doesn't. I mean, but that's, but that's my, those are my passions. Those are things that I'm interested in. I mean, for people that are arguing on, on Twitter, I mean, you would have to answer the same question. Like, what interests you if it's something about your specific team, which is what typically drives a lot of the arguments? Well, then research your team and understand, like, especially, uh, and this might be more poignant, like the arguments that were going back and forth over Twitter this past week over uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And if his uh, workload is going to stay the same now that Le'Veon Bell is a part of the offense and people coming in saying, well... I mean, Andy Reid historically has uh, has gone with the hot hand approach. Like, well, is that true? I mean, can you can you show me like you know a uh, any sort of uh, like data that supports that take other than just your general feel of well, you know, he had Sean McCoy for some time, and he had I mean, and then when Kareem Hunt was there for for a minute, I mean, and even back to um, even back to Jamal Charles, I mean, so I mean. Anecdotally, you might be able to say that, but again, it's just put in the time, put in the effort, and being able to state your case logically. And I'm sure, like a lot of folks, would be at least appreciative of the work. And they might, while they might not like the result, I mean, at least the work behind it is really what a lot of us have strived in order to, I guess, I guess, construct some sort of logical argument. And I think, kind of segueing into like where I started, uh, that was essentially what I was trying to do. And this was actually. I mean, to go back uh, to go back a few years, I mean, this was and since uh, since we're talking about some of the uh, at least my beginnings, I pulled up like my very first article. Oh, why did you do that? No, yeah, which is <laughs> awful, by the way. Uh, but just to, like but it, it was just to give me some sort of time frame as to like when I actually started doing this. Um, I actually I started writing. Um, it was shortly after week five of 2016. Because I, the game that um, really started asking, uh, which, which made me start asking the question about uh, weather and its impact on the game, was the uh, was Washington against uh, the Baltimore Ravens when Deshaun Jackson was set to uh, just completely roast a Sharice Wright uh, and just completely take over that game. That was what I had heard throughout the entire week. Every podcast, every article that I wrote said that this was going to happen. And then one, Deshaun Jackson didn't do anything because uh, because they wound up actually benching Sharif uh, Wright like for that particular game. I think Deshaun Jackson wound up with like three for thirty five or something like that. It was awful. And but the reason, but uh, that really wasn't uh, a part of it or like why I started asking the question. It was because all of the podcasts that I heard the week after were like, well, it was windy in that game, so it's possible that that was why. Uh, he didn't perform so well, and so and then that was the end of it. And I was like, "Well, is that really?" You know, it was kind of one of those like just quick, like uh, you know, like record scratch like type takes where like <laughs> is this is this really something that that matters and that people really care about? So I started asking, uh, I started asking around, and uh, coincidentally, 
Um, I was in a I was in a uh, a league with uh, Matt Harmon and Matt uh, Matt Franciscovich, who were both at NFL Network at the time. And so since I had access to their emails, uh, <laughs> I was I emailed them and I was like, hey guys, I mean, um, like, have you heard anything? I mean, in your in your time at you know writing about fantasy, like, has this been a thing? Is this something that uh, is this an I like, this is a unique idea that is a part of the fantasy space that. A lot of folks aren't like aren't really talking about, and uh, and I started doing the research myself. I mean, just kind of poking around because I I do have a technical background. Um, I have my master's in uh, mechanical engineering, structural mechanics, and that's just one of the things that that we do. I mean, you do literature search, you try and see if you know your work or the work that you're proposing has been duplicated somewhere else. And sometimes, I mean, you wind up either looking for uh, either ways to kind of build off of it, or if you're looking for ways to maybe like prove a different facet of that particular area of research, or whatever the case may be, you propose a different hypothesis and you go and you try and you try and prove whether that's true or not. But in this case, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I was coming up with was pretty sparse. Like I found um, a study from uh, Brian Burke, who's the director of analytics over at ESPN. He had done a study back in 2012. Um, a couple of other couple other folks had actually done some that like, people have actually done like graduate level like research like into this like people's have have had written have written theses like over uh, like fantasy uh, fan, like football and weather impacts and so on and so forth. But when it comes to like weekly actionable analysis or any sort of statistics that go behind and say that if the weather is going to look like this, then expect that, or there's some data behind it that says like you can, uh, there is an impact or there isn't, didn't really find too much. Uh, so that was what kind of prompted me to start writing. And then the, the same thing with uh, both like Hassan and, and John, I mean, it was, it's about trying to, I guess, find your, find your own voice, like in the, in the community and finding kind of what I guess, kind of fits the community itself, because you can be as technical, in the weeds, getting down into, you know, four or five significant digits in explaining how a, you know, how the weather vortices, like, can, you know, can change the path of a trajectory of a football. Nobody cares about that. They care about whether or not, uh, you know, Matt Ryan is going to wind up throwing for 350 yards or 250 or Julio Jones isn't going to be getting a you know a deep crosser versus just a you know a shallow drag. I mean that's what they care about. So it's being able to one construct your argument, but two present it in a way that's like digestible, whether it be comical, whether it be uh, in an analogy that they can relate to, or something along those lines. Because there are so many other folks in the community already that I mean they literally have PhDs like in the areas of study that they're presenting. Or they have just, I mean, a ton of like published work, like like literally, like you know, published peer-reviewed type work in the areas that they're presenting on. So it's about can you connect to the people that you're talking with, and if you can establish a connection, well, now you've got something. Now, now, like, and if it's a, especially if it's in a, a niche area, I mean, like, especially like for 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 weather, then now you're really talking. So I think that's. Part of the reason, uh, I guess, why is like why I started doing it is because I I did identify just kind of a an area of, of research in the uh, in the fantasy football industry that was not not necessarily talked about, but 
it was more trying to, again, construct that, uh, that way about having to explain it in a way that was, could actually be useful to people versus saying, yeah, if the weather is going to be 15.925 miles per hour, and if it's going to be at a northeastern angle and the azimuth, your stadium azimuth is at this, then you should be like, they don't care about that. It's it's how it, it how it relates to the game that they're actually playing. Just tell them whether or not to start Julian Edelman or to start Sean Jackson. That's what they care about. But I mean, but it's it's all fun about learning about like the people that you're presenting to, the people that's going to be reading your articles, and the people that are going to be basically telling you if your uh, if your analysis sucks or not. Which you know you'll get that from time to time. But it, that's but it's. I guess part of the joy of going through this is finding out what works and what doesn't and the people that you wind up meeting along the way, which, I mean, Hassan, John, we were talking about the uh, the fellows over at the Open Bar podcast beforehand. I mean, if you're willing to put yourself out there, I mean, literally, I mean, willing to put yourself out there, I mean, the people in the community, that they will respond. I mean, and it doesn't matter if it's the person that has five, six hundred followers that like just started their podcast yesterday or if it's like the J.J. Zacharysons and Matt Harmons of the world, you reach out to the right people. I mean, they will help you. I mean, as long as you're, again, not like demanding and humble about the way you go about doing it. But I mean, this has been one of the best, I guess, uh, I guess best discoveries of my like, you know, I'm like 37 years old. But at least that for uh, like for me, finding people that are actually capable and willing to help out and help you like along the way in terms of like how you structure your arguments, how you structure your, uh, your articles and all that has just been, has really brought me along to kind of where I'm at. And I don't know if I've made it or not, but at least I'm, you know, I know that I'm a part of something that I think is way bigger than what I'd ever imagined it would be. I mean, that's one of the, maybe not just one of maybe the best thing about the fantasy football community is how much everyone is willing to help people out. No, you just mentioned you could you emailed Matt Harmon and Matt Franciscovich. They emailed you back. You could reach out to like a JJ Zacharys, and if you have a question, like people are willing to help you. But like you mentioned, you need to be respectful. <laughs> Don't come off as a jerk or an asshole to to these people because they are putting in the time and effort to help you out when they don't have to. So that that's always been something that struck a chord with me, and probably one of the reasons why I try to you know give back as much as I can. But one thing I, I kind of want to get back to you uh, that you'd mentioned, Chris, um, you know, you talked about weather, like this is how you kind of broke into the fantasy industry. And back then, it really wasn't that big of a part of fantasy analysis. Like nowadays, like there are websites out there that hire people who are just there to give weather based fantasy analysis. Like the first, yeah. the biggest example that comes to mind is Kevin Roth over at Roto Grinders. Like mm-hmm. people are on Twitter, every, especially, I mean, for me, it wasn't so much for, for football season, but I would dabble in MLB DFS a lot. And every day you go in his mentions that people ask him, you know, wind, uh, is it rain? Like, how is this going to affect the, the, the lineup I should play in DFS today? But no, you took like a, a unique niche aspect and you made it your own thing. And that's one thing I think a lot of people listening out there who are who want to break into this industry is like, uh, if you have something that is unique to the industry, like, you know, 400 people could talk about what Le'Veon Bell's uh, role is going to be in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. But if you can find a different way of you know presenting the the information or the data, that's a great way to stand out. So <laughs> we might laugh like, oh, weather, weather sounds boring. But hey, look at Chris. Like he went from writing for like one website. Now he writes for every website. <laughs> I know. And it's, <laughs> 
it's kind of it's kind of funny like how that all kind of turned into something that I I really never expected it to. But uh, I think back to the if you're if you're willing to learn and try and ask the right folks about you know what matters and what doesn't. Because like again, since I pulled up one of my old articles and I was reading through it, I was like, oh god, like none of this stuff. It never mattered. Like the things that I was the things that I was trying to like make connections to and like and all that and like how I was like binning the data and all that. Like it's it's bad. It's just bad. But uh. But I do think, though, that's that's kind of how you have to start. I mean, nobody, uh, at least if you're like analytically inclined, um, unless it was you know a part of your schooling or like your education or whatever, and you have like a PhD in statistics or you're working towards it, I mean, you're not going to come out sounding like Ben Baldwin, Josh Hermsmeyer, like you know, I mean, that's just that's just never, that's not how it's going to go because you don't have the uh, the the context to understand that. Uh, that some of the statistics that I guess people just generally talk about when it comes to football, whether they matter or not, like, does it matter? Like how many, like, uh, like what matters more if it's passing yards per game or uh, adjusted yards per attempt, EPA per play, CPOE. I mean, there's so many ways to describe uh, like offensive play at this point. I mean, if you're just a statistician kind of walking into things, I mean, you, you really, you really do have to kind of, I guess, suss out, well, what makes the most sense and how, what is the best way for me to present an actionable argument? At least for me, since I didn't know that, it was just trying to take what I could get my hands on. And at the time, it was just stuff I could scrape off of pro football reference and then just kind of build my arguments from there. But then as I started to talk with more like started to talk with Josh Hermsmeyer, I started to talk with uh, Josh Hornsby and like being asked being asked questions and not necessarily as uh, and this kind of goes back to what both Hassan and John were talking about. I mean, it wasn't they weren't questions in terms of trying to like say like, well, you're a fraud or none of the stuff that you're writing about matters. It's being able to defend your argument in, in a logical manner. And they were able to kind of help like, well, if you're like not necessarily going down the right path, if you want to try and establish a connection, look at these metrics versus those metrics. And at the same time, Josh was uh, kind of dabbling in air yards at the time and trying to figure out like, well, is that stable like year over year? And I was like, Oh, yes. Well, what does and even with my technical background, I was like, oh, what does. Oh, that's what stable means. Oh, that's why that matters. And then you can kind of make that connection. You can make those uh, you can establish those connections. Like since we have a wealth of data, like going back years, not just for uh, how games have played out, but also we have, I mean, archives for for weather and you can you can make those connections. So really, it's just it really goes back to um, like whether or not you're capable of putting yourself out there and presenting your and then really being able to present your work it's very much like you're you're back in school like you have to be able to defend like what you're saying and it's not necessarily in a bad way because again a lot of the folks in the community are here to to help you out and it's not just to say you're wrong stop what you're doing delete your account i mean just here use this look at this differently and then maybe you can construct something that's i guess easier to digest and probably uh, more actionable for people to use you know, that's just a great way of putting it. I really don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> you pretty much summed it all up. Um, no, I feel like we've talked a lot about stats and fantasy football, so let's put a hold on you know, that part of the show for now and kind of let everybody listening to this, ep- to this episode kind of get to know you guys outside of the fantasy community, maybe some hobbies that you have, the things that you're interested in. Just give them like a sneak peek behind the scenes. Uh, let's start off with the, with John, then we'll go to Hassan, and we'll give you a little bit of a break there, Chris. Um, I, uh, hobbies, what, what are those, <laughs> right? Like, um, I used to go outside 
I used to do all kinds of things outside, things you wouldn't believe. Sometimes when I wanted to eat a meal, bam, restaurant. If I wanted to see a movie, there was a place you could go and watch watch it on a screen that was bigger than your TV at home. Imagine that, folks. Uh, and you you could eat popped corn while you. Uh, um, these days, for real, I I mean I work and I'm on Twitter, and when I'm lucky, I can decompress uh, with something on Netflix. But anything remotely exciting would be a lie. And I'm the type of liar who will go hiking three times and say I'm a hiker. Yeah, I'm a hiker. I'm a hiker. I will boulder indoor one time. I'm a boulderer. I'm a mountain climber. But I have so few experiences since March of this year that I can't even lie. So I... um you know, I like to smoke a hookah now and then. Uh, I have one at home. So we, Maggie and I, my fiancé, will light one up. That's a treat. Uh, we watch Netflix. I work as a lawyer. Uh, I was on a client call just before we got here. So it keeps me busy. Uh, but nope, nothing healthy or interesting. Uh, uh, boring, sad guy. <laughs> It's funny how many lawyers there are in the fantasy industry. I think it just maybe because people just like to argue in real life. They find that fantasy Twitter is a, a next extension of that. Thank you for saying so. Okay, so so first off, first off, um, uh, 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 Sal, uh, you've you've fooled me. Why am I in this lion's den of of smart guys? Uh, I, okay, so so. Look, I haven't had a chance to chat with Chris live. I've seen him tweet. We've interacted. Obviously a smart guy. But when you start casually saying vertices, and I think the plural of thesis was is theses, I'm here with a dictionary trying to keep up with these guys. But, 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 but uh, 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 these smart guys aside, and I include you in that, Sal. I don't mean to exclude you from it. Um, uh, I'm the excluded party. But, uh, but, but the one thing I disagreed with was that the community? The community can be helpful, and the community can be positive. But for every good guy out there, like Matt Harmon or Matt Franchise or Sal Stefanelli, there's some guy who's just looking to tear you up for no good reason. And that's the kind of person who I suspect is maybe a lawyer. So how? So how do you handle those people on Twitter? Oh, I don't even engage, man. I don't even engage. Like, there was a time, like, I, I've, I've purged tweets before. There have been situations where it's like, God, I'm starting a new job, and someone from that job just followed me. Oh, my God. So I've purged tweets before. Uh, but, no, I used to duke it out, and I don't have the energy anymore. And it's like, win or lose, you lose. Because it's like you're wasting all this time pounding furiously on your keyboard or your phone with some douche who just wants to piss you off either way. He doesn't care about winning. He just wants to drag you down. Uh, I, I have a very basic barbaric Twitter experience <laughs> compared to some of my peers. So, uh, so no, I, I don't engage anymore. Like, you know, you really tick me off. I'll probably just block you without saying anything. Otherwise, I'm just ignoring you. It is funny that you er, earlier in the episode you mentioned Michael Salfino and Davis Maddock Twitter feuds. Yeah, you know, those guys, I think they're good buddies. They, oh, they yeah. collaborate a lot. They co-run teams. But those guys know how to sling it, man, and they don't hold back. I learned very early on in my Twitter experience which accounts not to engage with. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. All right. 
Hassan, how about you uh, let us in on what you like to do outside of the what we don't know about you on Twitter? I mean, I probably a little bit of like maybe just from like a sports betting perspective. So like um, one of uh, one of the former editors at at Rotoviz, uh, Core Smith, runs uh, his own prop betting sh- like website called Bet the Prop, and he does really well. And so it really is like learning about the differences and the nuances between fantasy and kind of prop betting. Uh, I did really poorly this past weekend. I got completely hosed. Uh, one of the what one of the life lessons that you're gonna learn a little bit there is like the difference between DFS versus prop betting, like you like and how to analyze it too. And I'm still trying to get better at it because it's still fairly nascent as far as as Pennsylvania goes. That's where I live. And but like it is, it is kind of fun to have like an additional game. I mean, like partially, really, what drew me to fantasy and you know in general is like the, the game portion of it, right? Like you want to figure out this game. Like we're trying to figure out what these players are going to do. And so just another additional layer on top of that, right? Like um, where DFS is peer to peer, this is you versus the book. And in, in most cases, you're going to lose because, quite frankly, like a lot of like prop lines are, yes, they are softer. The odds makers don't care as much, but they're also still running these very complex machine learning models that will still spit out a line that comes fairly close to what the actual output of a player would be. And so I think just trying to find a way to beat these games or beat the market, it really, really what kind of keeps me going, right? I guess why I enjoy season-long best ball or dynasty best ball or any of these leagues that I play in because it's kind of like a big um, game to try and figure out. Uh, outside of that, I kind of like video games, man. I mean, I'm just waiting for 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 Cyberpunk to show up at my house in a few weeks. <laughs> I, I love that I asked like, "What are your hobbies outside of fantasy football?" And you immediately went to prop betting, DFS, <laughs> best ball. Well, Hassan was saying how prop betting has some different mechanisms than typical fantasy betting. Sure, it's sports betting, but the man has a diverse series of interests. How dare you? And I got to talk to you about this. Isn't uh, Cyberpunk the game that famously lets you uh, design the genitalia of your character? Is that true? So. Yeah, I haven't played it yet, but I'm, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> the genitalia part, not so much. Who cares? But like the rest of the game, two thumbs up. I enjoyed The Witcher 3. This, this podcast is earning the explicit label I have on it. There you go. But uh, Hassan, so you talk about no game theory, trying to solve puzzles. Are you a board games guy? Uh, no. I would say <laughs> I would say yes, but like unfortunately, kind of like uh, just like with how time constraints work out, it kind of almost made sense for me to synthesize all of that together, just sort of into one thing, right? Like if I'm if I'm going to spend like most of my waking days, like or like most of my waking hours obsessing and like reading the news, I might as well try and like optimize um, a lot of what I'm taking in with some of the other items or at least the other games going around it, right? And so it's just sort of like figuring that stuff out. I enjoy board games uh, to a certain extent. There's a handful that I've, you know, that that, that I've enjoyed playing. But like, um, what with COVID and all, it's a little difficult to to get a group together to sit down and actually play something in person uh, these days. And I think a lot of the intellectual itch can be stimulated at least via this. And because, like, again, it's it's, it's weird to bring this up, but like the fantasy community does sort of push you a little bit in, in one way or the other because like everyone's kind of trying to figure out who starts that should be and stuff like that. That's, you know, it's a bit of a game, right? Like there's, there's guys who do really, really well at this. Um, I mean, Peter Overzet and both, like both Peter Overzet and Pat Karain, like are, are, are putting together these logic puzzles and winning, you know, in DFS on the weekends and stuff. Like it's really, really cool to see. 
Um, because like one of the things that I like the most a little bit, at least, you know, season long is always going to have like my heart that in dynasty, but like one of the interesting things about DFS and prop betting is the feedback loop is quick. It's really, really quick. Um, it's a really good way to sharpen your process a little bit. Um, because you want to be right. You want to be right for the right reasons. And I mean, like, this is something that fantasy douche actually wrote about a while ago. It's something that we were told every, like in road like, you're going to be right, but a lot of the time you're going to be right for the wrong reasons. And it, you, that will lead to arrogance, right? So you need to figure out if you were lucky or you were right. And a lot of people um, will incorrectly get, like say that they were right when they were lucky. And so it's interesting all, to me almost always because, like, uh, you know, you, you can always guess who's actually kind of interested in like the self-improvement aspect versus someone who's and the ability to, to pick this stuff apart. Devin McIntyre, uh, Solis's co-host is actually really, really good at this stuff. Uh, he's really good at like remembering these obscure injuries that create opportunity going forward. Right. And he's really good at like grounding your analysis to where it should be versus where you think it would be. Right. And so like, you know, it's always uh, checking, you know, from like just from a yardstick perspective of can you be right or we know if you were wrong why were you wrong if you're right why, why were you right no that's uh i've made a career off of that so like i, I was the guy last year telling everyone to start gardner Minshew, but i didn't expect him to become who he was but i can still coast off of that <laughs> just need the one call man just need the one call <laughs> all right so chris you cannot answer this question with more weather-based analysis Oh, no. and, well, I mean, and just to clarify, I'm not a weatherman. <laughs> I just happen to like dig into the statistics and stuff behind it. Uh, so please don't think I'm a meteorologist like by day because I, I don't think I could do that. You just play um, one on no, Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, um, actually, for, uh, I don't know if you're ever gonna re- like if you're gonna release the video that goes with this. But uh, for folks that can't see. So the stuff like right behind me on the shelves, that's my hobby, like outside of fantasy football and what allows me or actually forces me to disconnect from Twitter, which I need to do uh, periodically. But it's homebrewing. Uh, I've been uh, a homebrewer for like 10 plus years now, uh, like primarily. And this is like why I get into arguments with TJ Hernandez, because like my favorite style to brew has been IPAs, like since I started brewing. Um, and since he is the devil and doesn't like IPAs, um, we've got into some arguments about it. But with, with whatever, this is this is a safe safe place, Chris. We don't have an IPA Slack bot telling us that no one likes I IPAs around that. here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, I think uh, the thing that got me interested uh, in brewing to begin with was um, actually a, a buddy of mine. Uh, at the at the time we were playing uh, we were playing cards together on a weekly basis he was into it uh, and I was originally sold on the idea because uh, it was a way for you to I guess to uh, to drink beer cheaper that was the way it was sold to me uh, because I mean you really can make a five gallon batch of, of decent beer for about 20 bucks um, and for and if you drink like the the big three, so if you drink like Coors, Miller Lite, like that type of stuff, I could probably make a decent like five gallon batch of that for about probably fifteen bucks. Uh, but I mean, a lot of the stuff that I liked at the time was more craft, and uh, I wasn't like super like uh, I wasn't like a real beer snob or anything like that. But I just liked the stuff that had a little bit more flavor to it. Uh, so he taught me how to do it. Um, now he actually owns his own store like here uh, in the Dayton area. 
um, and we've gotten into competitions together. Um, the stuff, uh, the medals and stuff, just kind of. These are not actually. I like. They're. I'm not this vain. Um, I don't. I don't have them hanging there for people to see. <laughs> they're just the only place in my office that, that I can hang. Like I can hang stuff. They're just conveniently um, placed right now for this right, video they podcast. Just, <laughs> they just happen to be like right here. But uh, there's those are some medals that I've won uh, for doing uh, for actually doing homebrewing uh, competitions, which I started oh, doing wow. within the last like three years. Um, which goes back to the, you know, kind of put yourself out there uh, and seeing like what people might think of like, you know, what you make. Um, but I think the big thing for that, uh, for, for homebrewing uh, is very much the opposite to fantasy football because uh, it takes weeks uh, for, I mean, in some cases for you to figure out whether or not you've done the process correctly. I mean, brewing, a brewing session can take on average somewhere between like four and six hours. So that's, a, you know, that's some, you know, a time sink in and of itself. And then after primary fermentation, secondary fermentation, or like secondary, if uh, that's what uh, the way that you're that you're going, I mean, you could be sitting on something for a month before you have your first tasting. Uh, and then after that, since it's typically five gallons, you're you're married to that five gallons. So hope you like to drink it a lot. Uh, so I mean the and the science behind it um, actually, uh, well, it's buried behind the cans, um, but there's actually I, I have a fermentation book. Um, that really digs into like the history of um, like how people have applied yeast to different things and like sp uh, specific to home brewing, but they talk about uh, how people used to do stuff in the old days where you really would just take like, you know, crushed barley, put it in water, and then you would just kind of let the pot sit out and let nature do its thing. And then lo and behold, you'd have, you know, alcohol in a couple of weeks, but just stories like that and how the, uh, how the process has kind of moved with the advancement of technology has kind of really spurred my interest. And so now I've, um, I can actually brew like in my office, I, I have an electric setup now. Um, so it's just, it's just fun and something that I can do that can get me out of the house. And, uh, you know, especially now, uh, with, uh, with the pandemic and all that, um, since I can like take my setup and stuff and at least be outside for a little bit and I'm not stuck in my office, it's just uh, really like the only other hobby that I can really enjoy without uh, having to go anywhere and do much. And you're going to be a very patient person to be a home brewer. I once bought a kit to brew my own kombucha at home. I was like <laughs> so gung-ho. I'm like so happy with myself. I bought the kit. I set it up. I followed all the steps. And like two weeks later, it's still fermenting. It smells like vinegar. I'm like, what am I doing with like what is going on? I can go to the store down the street, buy a yeah. bottle of kombucha and drink it right now. But for this, I have to wait another two weeks for it to ferment. I'm like, no, uh -huh. like, like I just I can't I can't do it. I don't get I don't get I don't get people like you, Chris, that can have the patience for home brewing. I've I've met, I've done enough uh, bad things with <laughs> brewing uh, that at least now I know I, I tell people I know what not to do at this point. How to not make bad beer, that's essentially it. I don't know how to make good beer yet, uh, but I know how to make beer that I can drink and it's not bad. So that's that's like the, the level that I'm, that I'm at. So you're the Aaron Rodgers of homebrewing. There you go. I'll take that, too. Oh, my God. It's a bit of slander there. Okay. That's fine. So if we ever do this uh, for real in person, you can basically bring out the beer for everybody, right, Chris? Oh, yeah. Um, and that's actually something that, uh, well, Hassan, you'll probably be able to take uh, take part in this. Like for, And I had suggested this to Scott Fish, that if we do like the regional like live drafts, I don't know how the regions are going to work out. But I told him that 
beer, I will have that like at the at the regional draft. Um, and then, well, then also since the other thing that people see me post about every now and again is the fact that I like to smoke meat. So like beer and smoking meat, that's all that's all I'll really need. So and I've got a massive smoker that can that could probably feed most of the people that would be at said draft for SB11. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely down for something like that. So like. 20 years ago, I would wanted to have been your best friend because I would eat all the meat and drink all the beer, and now I don't consume <laughs> either of the two, <laughs> except for the occasional hot chicken sandwiches. People know that I like to post on Twitter. I'll bring you some. Uh, I'll bring you some kombucha, and uh, since I can at least have access to what are those the the yeast like the things the scobies or the whatever. Scobies, yeah. Yeah, I can get I can get some of those, and then uh, I don't know. We can throw some Brussels sprouts on the smoker. I, I, we can smoke vegetables. We'll figure <laughs> something out. Uh, see, this is why this is literally why i want to be best friends with all you guys we'll figure something out we'll do it all right so uh <clears throat> i know i have a whole show needs show notes worth of questions here but as people tend to listen to my podcast i'm not really a great host and i kind of go off the cuff at times so i want to focus the attention on you right now hassan um no one thing that I admire about you is you don't really hold much back when it comes to your tweets. Uh, I was going back through your Twitter timeline because I wanted to find like the perfect example that I could highlight on the show. This one immediately came to my attention. And you tweeted, people discussing AJ Green like he's some kind of buy-low rest-of-season candidate and not objectively washed is kind of pathetic. You know, Some people are afraid to tweet what they want to say in fear of either you know, being trolled or offending people. But uh, you kind of like tweet about what you want, so I want to know like why, uh, like what gives you the courage to tweet stuff like that, and have you ever deleted something that even you thought maybe was going a bit too far? Um, some of it, yeah. So, so some of it is just like having a a, a small audience and a, and a very niche niche. Like, uh, I'm not really trying to get more Twitter followers. Um, like, like I'm kind of happy with where I am. Like, just like stay under the radar type of thing. I re- I rarely if ever really post, but like sometimes I do just want to, right? Because like this was a and this was really in conjunction with um one of one of my most hated phrases I think this off this like this season has been listening to the the, the, the targeted air yard stuff, right? From a from on a season long basis, yes, season over season, some of the stuff is sticky. From an actual in season analysis standpoint, if you're going to be a receiver who's inefficient with the workload that they're receiving. That workload doesn't stay constant. It actually evaporates. It, it disappears. You know, depth charts change in season. Opportunity changes in season. Um, and Blair Andrews has done a lot of really good work on this about wide receiver bounce back and aging curves and that kind of cliffs. And um, I strongly encourage people, if they have a road of his account, to go get it, to go read this article. Uh, but if you don't, I strongly encourage you to actually subscribe and read the article. Because because there's a lot of information in here, right? Like and like the biggest thing that got to me was AJ Green at his ADP when we we're heading into the season was going earlier than both Boyd and Higgins and was pretty much a I mean, he was a lock to just underperform both. At best you're drafting, you know, a wide receiver three at wide receiver twenty four, which is already a big L to take. Um so, so to sort of reach ahead and like assume that you know this guy is who we think he is, and so and then and then and then having to listen to justifications, right? Like, okay, you might have been wrong, but like it's it's always okay to kind of issue a mea culpa and like essentially admit where you were wrong, 
because uh, one of the things that like drags the community down itself, right? Like I do believe that as a, as a community, we probably should have, as a whole have a greater than than fifty five percent hit rate. I'm sorry, just I do believe that like the sharper people, if you put their actual records together, we probably would. There's a reason for it, right? Like, and they probably would. Like, I'm not going to put myself in there because I've got a lot. I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> you already um, put yourself in there, Hassan. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, the only I, the only thing I did correct was drafting Boyd over Green all the time. Um, and you uh, both, I, I'm just poking fun. Yeah, no, no. It's just so, so like, so like some of the things is like, is like it's okay sometimes to admit me a culpas, right? Like, um, it and that. Like so, like to, to to watch two different sides of people trying to argue against a side that we already statistically know is really rare for one one outcome, which is AJ Green, you know, being bouncing back. Right? We know he's going to lose targets. The question is not when, not if. And like everyone was behaving as if the question really was if, and you know, if he's going to bounce back, if he keeps seeing this volume, he's going to be fine. No, it's when are they going to phase him out? Right. And like and like watching people not even address the actual like the actual question, but instead discuss, you know, this player level analysis is what's really mind boggling to me, because you really want to spend more time engaging whether or not this guy is even going to be a fantasy viable assets. And in high stakes leagues, people are dropping AJ Green to waivers because he's not he's just not like, what are you doing? You drafted this guy at like wide receiver 25. You put in your lineup. He's lost you three weeks in a row. You can't really start him ever again. What, he's just going to be a roster clogger, right? Like so, like so, like watching people try to defend this stake is like is like very difficult for me because I think that um, at the very least we should like we should have like an, an like a like a like there should be an agreement, right? Like 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 two people can't look at the same thing and like that's actually happening and then be like, well, this is more subjective, right? Like it's it's a very binary result here and like. A lot of Blair's work has shown that you can predict this stuff ahead of time, and 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 so like watching people kind of like have to relearn these lessons three years after Blair's published this research, is like you know it's kind of like we're recreating the wheel here, guys. Come on, right? And so and 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 those are the type of things. Sometimes um, I would actually say that the only times that I've actually ever really deleted a tweet is to actually make my my, my point a little bit clearer, right? Like um, if you guys were watching um, uh, whatever the Arizona Cardinals product they put out on the field against the the Cowboys was. Um, I actually tweeted at 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 Cliff Kingsbury and like you know how he's gonna bring back air raid right. So like I I, I tweeted him a link of the air raid certification course that he could pay five hundred U.S. dollars for and have Hal Mume teach him how to be how to run the air raid. What is this guy doing? He can afford it. Have you seen his house? It's beautiful. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So I just think I just think that like like uh, like 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 just from a from a trying to get people what they want to hear perspective of what Chris was talking about earlier. Sometimes you just have to be a little bit gauche about what you're saying because because some of it is some sometimes it's the only way to cut through the noise, right? You don't want to spend like hours like 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 John was saying earlier, like just getting back and forth into this agree to disagree position when there actually is an actual winning position, right? Like if, if someone doesn't want to accept that there's actually a right and wrong answer, that's fine. But like, as far as I'm concerned, you, like uh, this all kind of goes on to what kind of a fantasy player you are and figuring that out. But there's a way to avoid this kind of stuff from roster construction and team construction. But like, that's a, bit, that's a whole different conversation. But I think that like adopting a more frank tone 
actually set expectations of your audience exactly what you can expect, right? Like if you were to, if if people were backing AJ Green were to issue a mea culpa, which which Ben Gretsch, which by the way, if you don't subscribe, please do to see the Stealing Signals best five dollars I spend. He he issued a mea culpa, just saying, all right, I was wrong, and like and like and sometimes that's just how it goes, and you like it's 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 not a question of um. Are you going to be stubborn and like, continuously be wrong? It's like, when are you going to just be like, all right, fine. I can see this is this for what it is. I'm going to be more clear about the situation. And I think that's something that like is is something that more people need to at least think about when they're putting analysis out there. I have a quick question, and um, I, I promise I'm not setting up a joke. Um do the same are the same high stakes players who are dropping AJ Green? If you know, are they also dropping Juju? I just want to know because it makes me sad, and I love Juju, and there's probably a case for that. I have I have no idea, but as someone who watched the uh, who watched the uh, the game the, uh, this last Sunday, I Ben is just like who jamming it to to James Washington and Ebron. Man, I mean the guy went out of his way to just target the other guys that weren't Juju, which is just. I mean, if I mean, if the team has decided that they'd rather that they that they're not going to resign him, and they're just gonna, they might as well start sidelining him now, right? Like, what's the point? It's such a bummer. It's He's a such huge, a fun guy. It's the most fun guy. Yeah, and I'm assuming that the same, yeah, you know, the similar like Mia Couples are probably going to have to happen for for Juju Smith Schuster since what he was drafted at what wide receiver nine, something like that, like uh, or earlier, yeah, or earlier. Yeah. For sure. So we're gonna have to have the same conversation with Juju over the next couple of weeks because yeah, I was I was watching that game too, and I don't think he saw a target until the second quarter. And even then, it was like on this like short, shallow pass that was like, I mean, like I mean, like when you're seeing Ben like pass up Juju wide open like in the flat so he can jam it to Ebron in the back of the end zone, it's like, okay, yeah. Now like now it's just like oh so like okay so like clearly our sideline. Like, there's yeah. just no way, right? Like you, you, you know the play that I'm referring to, right? Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. I watched it too. I mean, and there's just there's no way that um, that he drops from what did he have like last season, like a 24% target share or something like that last season, to what he's seeing this season, what 12%, 13% or whatever. I mean, without injury, there's there's nothing else that explains that. I mean, yeah. unless you just want to be obstinate about the situation and just be like, oh well, he's going to figure it out. It's just that's not happening. Hey. Like, the, I think that we're also kind of um, dumbfounded and even reaching outside of reaching out of football reasons for the possibilities. Like, well, why is he favoring Ebron or Washington? Is there something personal with with Ben and Juju, or is it because they need to get used to life without Juju because they're not resigning him? But we have all of these non uh, on field uh, reasons uh, because we're going through this. That almost makes me feel like an apology isn't even necessary. Like, I uh, I have DJ Moore everywhere. And I have DJ Moore everywhere because everybody said pick up DJ Moore everywhere. Like if we're apologizing, everybody apologize for DJ Moore. But I don't want to expect that because DJ Moore made sense. Juju Smith-Schuster made sense. Uh, whatever kind of mindset we had in August or earlier, uh, I why am I going to apologize for that? Like I, I trust you guys especially as real analysts to make the best decisions possible given the information you have at the time. Like you guys aren't – you know, trying to fire off hot takes for likes. You're thinking about it. You're you're using your brains. Like I, I don't, I don't expect any apologies for for DJM or Juju because I think it made all the sense in the world. Yeah, it, I. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, no, no. Uh, you were saying. 
I was going to say that um, I think, uh, at least for for that situation, uh, and Hassan, disagree with me if 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 you do, um, but I feel like that's a unique situation in that I mean, to think that Robbie Anderson was going to come in, <laughs> and I mean, basically, I mean, the, the, the everything, I mean, all of like uh, even just looking at them from an analytical standpoint to see their a dots flip after their usage the prior season I, I i've never seen anything like that before like ever i haven't i haven't seen an incoming wide receiver who's been used i mean year over year in a similar fashion now of course we can assign that to his prior head coach and just say that he's awful at his job which is the likeliest of outcomes but i've never seen so that's where it's just um i don't know if i'm really going to like say that we were we were because everybody got it wrong so it's it's hard to I mean and we can just uh, we can take the information that we've got as of uh, through six weeks and kind of roll with it and just and, and pivot from there but we just have to make that adjustment but I I mean for everybody I don't think if there was an analyst that was out there saying that Robbie would be be used the way that he was <laughs> I mean go go follow that person and the, go get lottery numbers from them as well. <laughs> yeah, like like you just found like a time traveling wizard, right? Like I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, like that, like that's one of the big things is that is that so like with AJ, like the, there's a very big difference between like AJ Green and Ty Hilton and some of these other guys, right? Like mm-hmm. like we clearly know what kind of characteristics you want to look for in wide receivers who become avoids and where you're taking them, what the opportunity cost would be. I mean, like if 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 someone wants us to sit around and like apologize for for drafting. You know, third-year wide receivers or like fairly young wide receivers have been ridiculously, ludicrously productive. Who pencil in for like essentially the alpha role in their own offenses, and then you know we have to watch you know them lose target share, have to compete with others, and in Juju's case, just completely get marginalized for for um, uh, lesser talented players. Like it's 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 difficult to to rationalize the usage there, right? Like because because at, at some point your base assumption is. All right, I'm just gonna actually not bother with math or science or like even what logic is. I'm just gonna throw that in the toilet. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get like blind drunk and I'm gonna just do my projections now and like figure out projections. I'm gonna come up with a scenario that's so out out of whack. And it's it's hard. It's hard because like because like some of these guys. I mean like DJ Moore is clawing back some of the work back from Robbie, just being more efficient again. Juju is a bit of a lost cause, sadly, and then that's like a, that that's the one that stings, right? Because when you compare some of what the rankings were to where preseason ADP was typically done by if you have best ball, you'll see that the majority of the public agreed with these rankings, right? You're seeing Juju going anywhere in the wide receiver six to seven range. You're seeing DJ Moore go anywhere in the wide receiver eight to 12 range. I mean, like all it does is tell you that like, yeah, your intuition is kind of correct. And and it, it's difficult when the market is just that wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Sal, you are muted. Sal, uh, can you guys hear Sal? Can you guys hear no. me? Yeah, we hear you. Can hear you. Sal doesn't know he's muted. Oh. Sal. Uh oh. <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> he left us to to drive the drive the show, and then this is what happened. This yep. Oh, Drove it right off, right off the rails. Um, it, you know, let me let me uh uh. uh tirade a little bit not even a tirade let me just put something out there in the air um dfs aside i mean are any of you guys playing fantasy to get rich 
I mean, I, I accept it as like a 1% outcome of the things that I do, but it's not the goal. For for me, it's always been like similar to what Hassan, and that's really why I've gotten into DFS is because I see it as a puzzle, like a weekly puzzle that I can figure out, like with the players, their projections, understanding, uh, understanding like median and like ceiling projections, and then having to blend that in with the with the pricing based off of uh, the sites that you're playing on. That's where I get the most enjoyment. If I wind up hitting like hitting it big, then great, because it'll help me justify to my wife like how much time I spend looking at this stuff. But other than that, I mean, no, it's more about the strategy. Like I'd, I'd much rather have a like like a tried and true process that gives me a a winning construction on a weekly basis. I mean, and that's the same thing for DFS. It's the same thing for for best ball. Uh, because I'm pretty heavy into that too. Like I would much have, I would much rather have a process that I come up with a uh, like a, a a roster that I'm happy with, versus that you know the the week where it would play Travis Fulgham, uh, and you know and then it would have I would have won the Millie. Like okay fine. Like I'll I'll never like like my my brand will never land me on that one percent play. But if I can at least like find a way to like the median outcomes on a weekly basis, I, I, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, I mean, I like, guess. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, I just, I just, I was agreeing with you, right? Like, like, uh, like from a from a get rich perspective, like, um, I enjoy DFS because it's a puzzle. I know I'm not particularly great at it, and uh, quite, quite, quite frankly, you need to really think through a lot of various scenarios to be good. There's a lot of there's a lot of logical thinking that goes in. It's a lot. It's a lot of it. A lot of it's like a big big game, right? Like I mean, part of the meta game now is leveraging ownership, especially if you're going to play mostly tournaments, right? Like uh, like um, if you don't, I mean, you can always do the, the thing where you just put your favorite players in and just watch watch them go. But if you're thinking about like game situations and who's going to be over owned, under owned, items like that, and I think like DeAndre Swift from this past Sunday was a really good example of that, right? Like um. He was what four percent owned in the milli. He went off completely. He's a guy who I um, didn't start in enough GPPs. The only like lineups I had him in in GPPs. He like I they were dead lineups. Like like I didn't cash. I, didn't, I, I and and that's because I just chose the wrong selection of guys, right? And so some of it's just a logic puzzle that is uh, the the daily fantasy grind. I don't I don't have it in any you know I don't ever accept that I'm going to make money, but I do it because I enjoy the actual thinking portion of it. So the the way you both approach DFS, and this is probably smart, there's just no room for sentiment. Uh, I mean, it, it, you're you're like you said, you're solving a puzzle. Here are the ingredients you have to play with, and you're not thinking, "Geez, I've got a soft spot for Juju. Let's try and work him in." Um, uh, uh, real quick, folks, I think we're going to be able to get Sal back on the line here. Maybe if we pause. Can you guys hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Got you. I have no idea what happened because my mic doesn't say that I'm on mute. On mute, so that's so weird. But I think maybe they just knew I didn't have anything of value to say to this conversation, so they decided to keep me out of it. Uh, Sal, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> this is a podcast that we do. Yes. Thank you for joining us. To... Co-hosting and you're our guest. <laughs> I mean, if if I were to be replaced by anybody, I'm glad it's you three. There you go. But I think this is a, a perfect segue into this next segment that, that's going to put the focus on you, John. So we have to talk about the Friedman Report, 
which used to be the backfield report for uh, the people unaware out there. The backfield report was a series on Rotoviz from Matthew Freeman, who you have gushed over and over and over during the beginning part of this podcast that, to me anyways, was unlike anything else you'd find in the fantasy community. And it's probably one of the reasons why I enjoyed reading it every week. So you took it over. You were the one that called it the Freeman report. For some reason in my mind, you had to correct me. I thought it was originally called the Freeman report, but it was originally called the backfield report. But then you named it to the Solis report. And you also have a podcast called The Solis Report. So let's uh, figure this out. How did you come to become the new Matthew Freeman? How would you explain The Solis Report to people who have never read it or listened to the podcast? Um, So uh, first off, I got to let you off the hook, Sal. Um, It would make 100 times more sense if The Freedman Report was a report written by Matt Freeman. That's... like Some, sometimes bit, logic just doesn't play a factor into this. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, like, you know, if that was your assumption, I, I, I think you should let yourself <laughs> off the hook. And the second thing I want to point out here is um, there was a time when you could only be an analyst if, you're, if your name was Matt. So the people we, we had to read was, was you know, Matt, Matt Harmon and Matt Waldman and Matt Franchise and, and Matt Kelly and, and Matt Friedman. And, and, and that's what we had in 2011. Uh, so I had to call my report the Friedman Report to make people think that Friedman was still associated. Um, so, so no, I, I kind of got at this earlier. I was just a big old Friedman stan. I hadn't seen anyone writing in, like, um, I guess you could say, like, a pretty way. Like, so, uh, and that, that's, I, I mean that. I mean that. Like, someone being really considerate about the image they were trying to uh, uh, convey to their readers, something more than just, here's the facts, here's who you should start um, and these constant uh, uh, um, uh, cliche. I'm looking for a word that is more um, appreciative than than cliche, because you come to expect these references to these extremely esoteric things, and I love them. They're not cliche, but they are recurring. I I, I digress. I, obviously, I, I I respect Matt in his in his work more than anything, which is why I said. After Friedman stopped doing the backfield report, there needs to be a backfield report. And uh, it, it was so weird for me because for the longest time, I was just the biggest road of his fan. And uh, before the writing contest, I was just the guy in the comments or on the forums. And I think even at the time Friedman stopped doing the Friedman report, I was like, oh, wow, my hand just disappeared. <laughs> uh, I was like, I'm going to stop doing this dynasty column which has always been a half-assed backfield report anyway and i'm gonna do the backfield report um and he was on board and he uh, helped me with the first issue he even you know wrote for it it was a really nice transition um you can read that on rotoviz there's a bunch of batman references in there uh, uh but, but yeah I, I was just doing my best to to fill a need and you know you could never be friedman um but yeah the the the, the report was fun um, I had a, a few very loyal readers who uh, messaged me in the same way that I once messaged Matt, and some of them uh, are fantasy people now, and I'm not going to out those people, but they know who they are. Um, and, and as for the show, I mean, it, it's it's just a bunch of nonsense, right? Like, it's it's a crazy show. Sal, you've been on the show. I, I, I don't know if you guys have heard the show, but it, it's... It's crazy. It, it, it's utter nonsense. Um, it's vaguely a fantasy football show. Um, I was just, you know, thinking, 
this would be interesting. Like I, I Devin is my, uh, uh, my, my partner, my co-host. And, uh, obviously we got along really well on, on Twitter and on Slack. And I was like, man, okay, I'll tell the truth. I'll tell the truth. I was like, Devin, you are the funniest motherfucker on the internet, but nobody knows it because you alienate everybody. And that's, that's true. That's true. Hassan, you know, that's true. Come on. Yeah. Hassan's <laughs> nodding. Yeah. And, and it's like, man, if you weren't so alienating, your brilliant humor would reach a wider audience. And um, you know who's not alienating? Uh, some dumb lawyer who smiles all the time and doesn't do stats. <laughs> like, I'm a very accessible person. Um, so, so we just started writing some jokes, and we thought they were funny. And if we were making each other laugh, it was probably at least okay. So we started recording the show, which, as, as you all know, is a, a late-night talk show recorded live in front of a, a, a studio audience. Um, and it, it's... Obviously, it's infrequent. You know, we went like nine months without an episode, and then we had two episodes in September. And whenever, whenever we get the idea to put one out, some travesty happens, some national disgrace happens. And it's like, oh, yeah, I was going to hit everyone with the, the comedy sensation of the week, um, you know, when when RBG passed away, right? Like that that happened. We had one. We had we had a show sheet ready to rock. Um, so, so, you know, we do our best with it. Um, it's not an extremely popular show. I think it's really, really, really niche and probably alienating like anything associated with Devin kind of has to be. Uh, but for the people who enjoy it, uh, they seem to have a lot of fun and that's enough to keep us going. Yeah. It's funny. When you think of a website like Rotoviz, the first thing that comes to mind is analytic analytics based analysis uh, but you kind of dig a little bit deeper uh, there was an arc one time peter Overzet posted a video of a monkey taking a piss in it uh, i wrote an article reviewing the movie draft day from a real life salary cap perspective <laughs> we have the solis report i know uh, whenever i talk to sean via email and your name comes up john he always says you're the funniest person he knows and it just seems like so much sense to have the Solis report on Rotoviz. And we can find articles upon articles everywhere that it just stats heavy base. But every once in a while, we need a Solis report in our lives. I, I'm, I'm happy to be a ballot cleanser. Like anytime that that is. And again, no disrespect to Friedman, uh, but he he would agree with me. You know, like his backfield report was meant to be fun. It was meant to be fun before it was meant to be actionable. I always appreciated that. I love that Frank DuPont had room for a voice like Matt Friedman. And when I wanted to do it, he had room for my voice. And even now, Rotoviz has, for whatever reason, because it's such a stupid show. It, it makes serious authors on that site probably look very stupid for even associating with such a, an, an irreverent and non-fantasy program. And, uh, yeah, Sean's, Sean Siegel is a huge fan of the show. And I, I have to say this, um, you know, Devin's really the one, you know, I, I tell the jokes. I write some of the jokes. I got to give Devin his credit. He's, he's, he's the engine for the show, truly. Nice. All right. <clears throat> so uh, Chris will kind of lighten that. Well, no, we're going to go to the opposite. We'll go a little bit serious here now. Uh, sort of recurring theme, which is – with complete accident in my podcast series has been 
work-life balance. So you currently co-host podcast. You're a recurring guest on a YouTube show. You write for three different websites. So I need to ask you, where do you find the time to contribute so much? What motivates you to put in all that work every week? Do you have like an end goal in all this? Do you want to become like a full-time analyst in the industry? And then we'll kind of wrap it up like with that work-life balance. Like, do you have any? And how do you manage work, family, and fantasy? Uh, man, that's a, it's a loaded, I loaded the, questions. I, I know, I know. And, um, and actually I didn't even add on to the fact that, um, I, I work for Denny Carter with a draft day consultant. Consultants. So yeah. And like, so I, I manage like some extra, some extra teams like on, on the side as well. Um, it's, it's like time management is a huge thing, obviously, but um, it's it really comes down to the like I've always been like a decent multitasker, like uh, reading and or like uh, trying to listen and write and talk like the basic stuff. Like, I can't do that. But like at least in my mind, trying to like I can think of uh, the um, like tasks I need to complete for work and start working through the things that I need to do for work. And it's almost like I'll pick something up for a few minutes and then get farther and start working on it for a little bit. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, so but then for this article I need to write tonight, I want to I want to talk about this, this and this. And so I'll need to research this article and uh, like maybe I'll look up something and then I'll switch back to um, like the thing I was doing beforehand. So being able to just like once I hit a roadblock, I'll just immediately flip to the next like lane of things that are like that's in my mind and just progress that and then just switch back. So it's not a um, it doesn't become like a mental block for me. I can continually like progress like with little chunks and being able to structure my work so that it's not just an insurmountable task or it doesn't feel like an insurmountable task where it's like, oh, my gosh, I have this 1500 word article that I need to write like by the end of the day. It's like, no, I have to. It's a 1500 word article, but it's broken down into like five, 300, 300 word chunks that I can just, okay, I can write these two paragraphs here, insert this visualization, and then I'll come back to it. I'll work on this for a little bit, then I'll come back to it, write another 300 words, come back to it, write another 300 words. Um, so it's, it's breaking, it's breaking the, uh, the articles down into bits and pieces. And um, a lot of it is like time that I would spend just enjoying this game that we, you know, that we, we talk and we write and we argue about. Um, it's, that's normally when I, I do my writing, to be quite honest, um, at, so at one o'clock Eastern every Sunday, as soon as kickoff happens, I will turn on a game, whether it be the local Cincinnati game or whatever. And that's when I start writing. I start, uh, like I take my articles from last week, just start, you know, deleting all the content from it. And then I start researching for, for the next week on, on Sunday. And I write from, Sunday at one o'clock until basically the end of the games on Sunday. So I have at least a decent set of stuff done for the week. And I have an idea of what, uh, of what I want to write about from a content perspective. Uh, and then after that, um, the, um, since I don't really have any hard numbers to that, um, the data that I collect doesn't come in until Sunday morning. I start running all of the scripts that I've written in order to start, you know, kicking out, okay, what was, this quarterback's EPA per play, how many, how many offensive plays this team run, all of those stuff. I have scripts to, to collect all that, but I won't get that until Sunday. So it's really just structuring my week so that like by Tuesday, since every, like all the stuff needs to be done, like most of the stuff needs to be done by Tuesday. I have all of the information that I need. 
Um, but then from a work-life balance, um, it really has been trying to, um, because my day job is just as demanding, I'm a project manager uh, for multiple projects for a, a DoD contracting firm that I work for. Uh, it's trying to separate the two so that by the time, like if I can actually close my work laptop, it's I'm done, at least for, for the time being, and I can either go help with uh, go help cook dinner, um, help the kids with homework, go pick up the kids from school, um, pick up my daughter from work. I mean, it's it's all that other stuff. Uh, and then a lot of it is just sacrificing sleep, uh, being up until one, two. I, like Jen Eakins, um, the editor over at 444, love that woman to death because I'll send her articles at just the oddest times because there really is no other time for me to, to submit stuff because it's just I'm up late. So it's it's making that sacrifice uh, in order to make sure that everything's being taken care of, and like while I, I say that I'm you know I'm waiting for December to come, I mean it's still a passion of mine because I, I enjoy doing it. And, I, and to be quite honest, I don't know what the end goal is going to be. I guess I got into this thinking that, um, like this was uh, this was going to be something. This would be like a retirement project, you know. Um, I could I could do this kind of as a as a side gig for. I don't know, for, for decades if I wanted to. And the, like the work has kind of picked up so quickly. Um, not to say that I'm good or anything like that. It's just I never thought that I'd be here at this point. I mean, I'm being 100% honest. Um, so I don't know like where things are going to like where things are going to go over the next few years. Um, I mean, would I like to have a, a full time job like in the industry? I don't I honestly don't know. Um, it's, it's more about uh, understanding where you're at. Um, as a as a writer, um, as a content creator, and if that's something you have to drive to do it, like on a, on literally a full time basis, and I don't really don't know if I'm there yet, even though I guess I'm being forced into doing it <laughs> at at this point. Um, but uh, I think right now my focus has just been that uh, to kind of establish those relationships with some of the folks, like you folks here, and other folks on Twitter, being able to have some fun while doing it. Um, and, uh, hopefully being able to keep up with the, the churn of, you know, creating content, at least for the regular season. And then once we get to the off season, you'll probably just never see me on Twitter after that because <laughs> I could take a break and not have to be in my office all the time. I think that's a pretty refreshing answer because I imagine most people who are kind of new to the industry or trying to get their foot in, have this like big idea in their head that, I'm going to write this article and then I'm going to become the next Matthew Barry. I'm going to become a full-time analyst in this industry. But like yeah. you legitimately said, you don't know. Like uh, I don't think a lot of people would have the foresight to answer it that honestly, which I, I appreciate a lot. Cause I know I was one of those people when I first broke in, I'm like, okay, I'm going to become awesome at this. This is going to be my full-time job. I'm not going to do anything else for the rest of my life. But like over the years, it just, I got burnt out, man. Like I don't want to be. It wears on you. I know. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it really does. And it's not to. I mean, it's not to put the doom and gloom like type of look on it. Like uh, you're just like slogging through articles and, and so on and so forth. I don't want anybody listening to think it's like that. But it really does. I mean, you, once you start to understand the the rigor that goes into putting together content, like whether it's analytically driven or not. I mean, if you want content that pe that's going to like resonate with people on, on any scale, I mean, you have to be willing to put in the work to do it. And that, and that takes time. And for some folks, 
I mean, while a lot of us, uh, a lot of them want to be like those, uh, those couch coach like type people that to think they know better than, than anybody else that's put in the time. I mean, once you really start to understand like the, the hours, I mean, literally hours that it takes to, to put some of the stuff together, it's just, it becomes daunting after, after a while. But, uh, I mean, hopefully the passion remains there and I'll just continue doing what I'm doing, but it, you know, d it does become a time sink after a while. I know just listening to like everything you do on a weekly basis, going over your resume, gave me these horrific flashbacks to like, <laughs> like when I used to write, I used to write four articles a week on top of managing a website of 30 writers. And I look back and now I'm like, how the hell did I do that? Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking back to when I first started and even writing an article every two weeks, seemed like just impossible at the time and now it's at like four, you know four or five a week and it's just like is it friday yet like can i just take because people have asked um you know once once you get to friday it's like oh you're going to be you know looking through all the you know all the stats and like checking in on on uh, on players so like you know on saturday before sunday i'm like hell no like i'm i'm <laughs> I'm going to the bar, like, well, not going to the bar anymore, but like, I'm, I'm like, you know, shutting my phone down and like turning all this stuff off and I'm going to go like watch TV or do something. I'm done with my, re like, you know, unless something like tragic happens between now and then, but like, no, I'm, if I have time to get away from my computer, I'm, I'm doing that. Like, because it's, it's just being stuck in front of this for a while is, uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult at times. I'm going to, I'm going to throw this question out to the floor. Uh, do you guys ever feel just burnt out being a part of the fantasy industry? Don't not not everyone answer at once. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like uh, John and Hassan are like, who, who's going to talk first? No, no, Hassan. Uh, no, John, go for it. No, I'm <laughs> fine. I'll, I'll just get mine out of the way. I I was almost just mouthing. No, no, I I don't. But again, I'm. If it's not clear, I am a tourist in the fantasy football community. Like I occupy the niche of niches. Uh, and I, right now, I don't write anything. All I do is I occasionally, either every two weeks or every nine months, release a joke podcast with Devin, who really does all the work anyway. So no, I'm, I'm not. Bur I'm I'm burnt out on my life. Like it, 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 it's 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 insane. Chris is talking about you know starting starting a separate hobby workday on a Sunday afternoon. It's like, I can't even do the dishes. I can't even bring myself to do the dishes. I am just barely able to, to, to be a good lawyer. That's what I can do right now. I can be good at my job, and occasionally I can put out a, a joke podcast. But otherwise, like, you know, no, I, I, I'm not burnt out at all. It's, it's fun for me because I'm not nearly as invested as the rest of this group. I'm just trying to keep my sink clean. Yeah, so like just to give uh, a little bit of background on that, I really don't think burnout is for real, right? I mean, like it is for real, for real, but you can do stuff where you just sort of fade away and like retire for a while, but you're still always going to be kind of be a part of it, right? Like Sal, you're technically on hiatus, right? Or retired or something. Or retired or yeah. something, right? Like, you, like, like, like there's a lot of guys who we've seen come through and like you can get back into it when you want i mean like john moore is active in combine season he's gone off twitter for like the most of the season right mm -hmm. like like there's guys who just and there's you know people who've come before us who've 
who selectively choose when they wish to be a part of this community. Now, some of that has to be, be with the fact that, yeah, they built that, like, you know, the initial work. You can't just sort of uh, decide to retire and come back and be like, well, where's this guy been? But like, you know, for the, for the most part, burnout is real. You got to take care of yourself. And it's, it's easy to kind of fade away a little bit in fantasy because there's, you know, like for the most part, there's very strong, unique articles and everything out there. But eventually you come to a point where um, what you want to avoid is becoming a parody of someone else or becoming, you know, like not like um, you want to avoid repeating someone else's argument from somewhere else in a different way, right? Like, and you want to avoid eventually plagiarizing and stuff. And that's kind of really difficult. And the only way to really do that is to sit down and be honest with yourself and figure out, you know, where, where, where do you really go from here? Or like what your analytic skill is or like what your analysis skill is. And, and, and mine isn't, isn't, doesn't lie in the numbers or any of that. It's just more so bring them right. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to make it up as I go along, and like a lot of us are doing that, but it's 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 putting it out there, right? Like I know I'm never going to be as 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 intense in this as Ben Gratch is, like from Stealing Signals, which is why, like for me, just from an, from a content perspective, from a creation perspective, I'm only doing the podcast. But like if I felt like I wanted to get back into it, I could, right? And like it's good to be with an outlet that gives you that the ability to to just do nothing and then come back and just be like published again. You know what I mean? Like it's good yeah. to have an, like, if you ever feel yourself burning out, it's okay to step back and say no. Like, yeah. and that's the hardest part. No, and I'm like, you mentioned, I'm a great example that like I've come and gone from this industry a few times. I'm luckily welcome back every time I do decide to return, but I've pretty much given up on being a content creator of the serious analysis kind. Like you're not going to find a, me writing a fantasy football article that provides actual advice, but it kind of goes back to what Chris had mentioned earlier about finding what you're passionate about. And the thing that I've become passionate about in this industry is just like working in behind the scenes capacity, whether that's kind of like propping up other people, helping others become better writers, um, sending out tweets, editing articles or whatnot. So I think there's always room for people to come back if they're willing to put in the work. Yeah. And I think that's, that's it because if you're, if you come in to like the fantasy industry or just like on like social media in general, and just think that, well, I need to have like 10,000 followers, like, you know, within a year of like doing, uh, of doing fantasy analysis. I mean, that's just one. It, I mean, if one, it's less likely that's going to happen. And two, that's just, that's not, I guess that's not the right path to take in terms of, uh, I mean, you know, getting, getting your work in front of people is, is, is right. But Trying to measure your success by by follower count is always going to lead you down like a, a darker path. Like then trying to establish, I guess the the, the right people to to lean on for um, for advice um, and to understand or to better guide you uh, to becoming a better analyst. And like Hassan said earlier, I mean just having that honest conversation with yourself as to where your strengths lie. I mean I've since I have a technical background, I mean, you know, writing code and pulling down data and like all this stuff. I mean, these were things that I, I've been doing for, for years. If I didn't have a background in this stuff prior to, I mean, I don't know if I'd really have the motivation to go through and learn how to like, you know, write Python scripts and all the, all the, all that other stuff. I probably wouldn't be doing this. 
I mean, it's just, it's really just whatever comes naturally. Like that was the way that I've like found like my way to kind of slide into, into all of this, but it, it really comes down to, I mean, what can you offer at a, you know, at a, I guess a reasonable investment, like, like a reasonable personal investment without trying to, I guess, I don't know, uh, saying that you're going to like compromise like yourself or compromise your self integrity. Like that's probably like, you know, that's probably a step too far. But you see, like the, the the path that it would take if you try and I guess set your goals on something that just like it, to me, I guess it it doesn't it doesn't matter as much. Like I could have, I mean, I could, I could have like a thousand followers, and I I wouldn't really care all that much because at least I know that at least the my publications are getting read by the right folks and the people like yourself and any of the folks that are on you know they're on this call right now will probably call me if there's any bullshit like within my article, like. I know for I know for a fact because you, Sal, were the one that like you know ripped my article in like in two the very first time I submitted one. So I know that I have you know at least I know that I have the right people like in my corner like when it comes to writing. But it, it, but that's what you need versus saying that you know I got to have more followers or you know I'm I'm five followers away from 10k like you know retweet this and like and follow me. It's like oh, Lord, I don't want any of that. Like just. Just tell me the right person's gonna tell me if I'm right or wrong, or you know, or at least give me a logical way to figure out like how to how to better my my process or better my analysis. That's all. That's all I'm really looking for. Yeah, you will find that a lot of the big names just tend to follow you if you have good content. Um, I mean, I mean, like, and it doesn't have to be something particularly unique. I mean, I remember when when John and Josh Hermans and I were beefing over the director of analytics role over at Rotoviz. Like, it wasn't too long ago, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's like, real. Yeah. I won that contest. I don't remember yeah. how I won, but I won that shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, and I mean, like you will find that like it's weird, but like people like like big big name writers are looking for this stuff. Sal, like you can you can agree to this, right? Like you just you will you will find writers as you go along through this, or like analysts that like they don't have a lot of followers, but they're putting out good work at reputable sites. And like the question is, how do they? If you ever ask yourself, how does someone get there without such a big reach? Is because they do good work, right? Like you mm-hmm. want you you want to read someone that does something intelligent. I mean, like Chris's brother called him. I remember reading it back on rotoworld.com back in 2016. Like it was it was a it was a weekly fixture. Like mm-hmm. this is just the way the world. Like it's just the way it works, right? Like you 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 find um, uh, like it's 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 weird, like uh, because you know like it's in that like it's good because it like it like to to a certain extent like. The guys who do like the the retweets and all that other stuff, right? Like it, it's it's kind of fun for a certain extent, but like for, for those who are like treating this more like, um, uh, you know, like this is something that's a hobby to you, and like uh, eventually you want to just like who cares? Like that's a that's probably the better attitude versus like this is something that I can do and become famous over. Like it's always it's always hard if you're chasing like um, a nebulous streak like fame versus like actually like putting in the work because like your work will never reflect that and it comes through. I think. Mm-hmm. Especially nowadays, there's just so many ways to provide content. Like it wasn't, you know, you mentioned 2017. Like I'm older. I was 2013 when I first broke in, and I had to write. You know, articles was the big thing back then. But nowadays, you have a podcast. You can do a live stream on Periscope. You can do a Twitter thread. Like you can literally yeah. like tweet out an article in a thread and get noticed that way. So that's one of the the great things nowadays. The different types of avenues we have. John's thinking about something. No, you're, I'm just reflecting that you're right. Um, you know, for, for a long stretch, I don't, I, I don't dare bracket the years, but if I had to guess 2011 to 20, 
15. Um, the podcast space was not that big. Um, and it seemed like there were a lot of new articles coming out. And, and that was kind of the shape of how we got our information. And you have your eye on someone. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, Herms Meyer is a great example. You know, he, he was at one point a, a 50 follower guy just trying to explain Spark to people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the article, it, it, it came down to the article. And guys like Friedman planted their flag with, with the article. And I'm not saying the article's dead. It's, it's not. You know, and it's very therapeutic for people to open up an article and take their time and read it and relax. But, um, yeah, it seems like these days you, you got to have a podcast. And, and if, if you ask us again next year, Sal, the podcast thing's going to be over and it's going to be – you got to have video. You got to yeah. have video. And, and the year after that, it's going to be – you got to go door to door. It's <laughs> grassroots now. <laughs> you got to start sending out advice in the pizza boxes as we've seen. But, yeah, it, it, it's – I don't know. I you, you caught me wandering off, and I was really just appreciating what you were saying because it's true. I can't remember who it was today. I think it might have been Adam Levitin who tweeted our article about content, and it said that there was a hundred and ninety-two thousand new podcasts in twenty nineteen. Good lord! Is there even that many people in the world? <laughs> <laughs> That's just content overload. And especially with the last, what, six, seven months with everybody being at home. I mean, I've seen so many, like, podcast startups with people having free time being stuck at home. And it's like the the content is never-ending. So I get the idea of feeling burnt out because there's just this, I mean, the, there's a constant wave of, I mean, new uh, new shows, new articles, new people putting out, uh, you know, tw- like tweet threads or whatever. So I can understand the need to always feel like you have to be posting. You have to be coming up with this next big idea. You have to be writing about or talking about or tweeting about uh, whatever Schefter just posted. And I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I feel like I would get burnt out if I felt that I needed to react to everything. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, um, gosh, uh, no, that, that's who it was. Um, it was the Josh Norris episode uh, from Matt Harmon's Backyard Banter titled, You Don't Have to Have a Take on Everything. And you just, you don't. Like, it, it's okay if you don't have to, like, take, uh, you know, Schefter's or Rappaport's or Pel- you, know, you don't have to take every one of their tweets and just, well, I think that's going to be like this. And just, like, you don't have to. You just don't. Like, you Oh, okay, that, that's something that happened. Okay. You don't and have, then just go about your day. You don't have to do that. You can just do what I do and put eyeball emojis on the quote tape. That's the easiest way to do it. <laughs> the, I, just, um, I just retweet stuff. Uh, that's all I do. Just click retweet. Like, okay, people well, have seen it. Now you have to click it twice. Yeah. yeah, Chris, have you tried doing that recently? Because uh, uh, Twitter is now encouraging you to comment on anything you retweet. Um, uh, I saw it, that. De- yeah, it, it's defaulting to the quote tweet now. Like, yeah. they're, they're daring you. They're yeah. daring you. Put some put some English on this bad boy and fire it up. Period. Yeah. Click send. Yeah. Remember yeah. back in the day when people would put RT on the quote tweet or manual retweet? Yeah. <laughs> Insane. Insane. People still do that. It's extremely disrespectful. Honestly, just retweet the damn thing. Let the original creator get the likes because we need the likes, boys. Yes, everybody needs their likes and retweets. Or <laughs> 
I sent out a tweet, quote tweet to today where I just wrote retweet just to bring it back old school a little bit. There you go. You know, you could do some subversive stuff with that now, right? Like I, I can just RT at yeah. Sal Stefanelli and just completely make something up. Pretty right? much. I'm gonna do, I might do that after. <laughs> I might fire one off. We'll see. Test, test the system. Yeah. Let's see what's going on in there. I love it. So the, the last segment started a little bit heavy. We're kind of bringing it back, lighting up the mood. Uh, we've been here for almost uh, an hour and 40 minutes. I think it's time to start winding down this podcast. So right. I'll, well, I'm just going to ask the floor. I'll put this out to everyone here. Have you guys consumed any content lately that has like really resonated with you? you know, whether it's a movie, TV show, a book. I, I wrote in the show notes a voicemail. Maybe a friend left you. It can literally be anything that has left a mark on you. Um, yeah so 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 from from a from a music perspective i guess like uh like one of the things i guess and not many people like i haven't i don't really talk a lot about this but like i uh i listen to a lot of heavy metal and there's a there's a band that that i recently discovered uh called vital spirit and uh, if you're not too familiar with heavy metal, I would not recommend going and listening to them because <laughs> uh, because you will absolutely, absolutely not enjoy it. Um, but but yeah, like uh, I think that their, their their four song EP has been has been one of the bright spots actually of the pandemic. Um, as far as pop culture itself goes, I've been genuinely, I've kind of just been lagging behind as far as pop culture goes. But again, this is a, a YouTube uh, channel that I enjoy called uh, Two Minutes to Late Night. So it's a, so it's a bit of a ch- spinoff of, um, you know, uh, Two Minutes to Midnight by Iron Maiden and also you know, late, late Night Talk Show host. And it's hosted by someone called, um, well, it, it doesn't matter. They do a whole bunch of like, popular popular <laughs> covers but like they have these guys who play in like really like well-known underground metal bands and they do these covers of like various songs so it's like um a cover of uh, uh there's a there's a rush song that i believe they did a cover of and there's like a couple of steely dan ones that are pretty good so like i genuinely would recommend to to check it out because that's really, really what i do like when i'm not when i'm not doing anything else i just kind of try and find like music that i enjoy listening to because really that's what keeps me going did you see that band that Salito tweeted about a few weeks ago? They were like a heavy metal band, but they did covers of like Disney songs and Disney theme songs. No, but now I know what I'm going to do after this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. All uh, right. Yeah, go for it, John. Go for it. It's your sure. turn. Um, Hassan reminded me, actually. Um, so I, when it came out on Disney+, Plus, I watched Hamilton – for the first time and I was so skeptical because I was like man this honestly like it looks so lame I do not want to see Lin-Manuel Miranda rapping like how insanely disrespectful it's just this is gonna suck and I, I went in there knowing it was gonna suck and usually that's insurmountable like if you if you go into the ring I did this if you go into the ring you say this is not gonna be scary well, it wasn't scary because I was fighting it the whole time and I didn't let myself enjoy the experience. But Hamilton is so good <laughs> that even though I was sure it was going to suck the whole time and I wanted it to suck, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was unbelievably amazing. Maggie and I have watched it four times now that I'm watching other musicals. We watched Les Mis. 
terrible, extremely funny because it's so bad. I mean, like like Russell Crowe. Who told Russell Crowe? Who told Russell Crowe he could carry a musical? It's insane. I, I, I'm all about it now. High entertainment. Watch musicals. Uh, we couldn't get through Cats. That's true. Could not get through Cats. Tried Are you guys Chicago yet? Uh, no, uh, Moulin Rouge is next, and then Chicago. That's that's actually true. Chicago is good. I would I would recommend the 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 one with uh, Richard Gere. Uh, I forget when it was, like early two thousands or something like that. That one was good. Yeah, I, I did I did like that one. Nice. Yeah we're, yeah, we're all about it. But if you're if you're the last person on earth to see Hamilton, fix that. Go watch it. Mm-hmm. What I got. Uh, I would say that at least for me, and like this is this probably. Uh, this isn't as good as what uh, Hassan and John had brought up because it's still stuck in football, but it's at least gotten me out of my comfort zone. Since, as I mentioned before, like I'm more technically inclined, um, the whole like you know uh, analytics versus film debate. I think it's stupid. Like first off, uh, but it, it like it. I I don't understand enough about football in general. And it's I know it's an inherent blind spot because it's one, it's a sport that, that I, I played in high school, but I weighed like literally 99 pounds like when I was in high school. So like it was just me just like running like a, I had my hair on fire trying to avoid the like, kids that were bigger than me. So it's just it's something that I, I didn't like I objectively like don't understand. Um, and the only thing that I understood like was the numbers. Uh, so um, I've, I've talked with uh and like and followed and asked questions of folks like um, Mark Schofield, Derek Klassen, um, Charles McDonald, um, and just listened to their their work and um, like Mark and also uh, Ben Solak as well. Uh, ben Ben's really good, uh, but uh, Mark is like uh, uh, he's especially good at just uh, and this is pro- this is not a knock against him, but like dumbing it down for me. Uh, and just helping to under, like helping me understand like what I'm looking at when it comes to like offensive schematics and like the the way that and like formations and whatnot. So uh, obviously go follow him like for for all that stuff. But at least for me, like taking in content like that over the last like because he releases what like like two minute videos or something like that, just breaking down a play. Uh, ben does the same thing uh, to to some extent, but mostly just around the Eagles. Um, but, uh, I think like content like that is what's like really, I guess, in not necessarily inspired me, but it's just, it's helped me understand, uh, football from a different perspective versus me trying to key in on how many yards, uh, you know, a player is, is running or like their depth or how, like how many, uh, I guess, um, how many yards, uh, like through contact or like after contact that a play, like the, the metrics that I would normally, like my mind would immediately go to. But instead, understanding what a uh, you know what a like a, a mesh concept looks like, or uh, weak side, strong side when it comes to offensive line play, or just just stuff like that, which is like things that I'd always been interested in. But again, looking at the task as being something that's insurmountable. Like, how do you try and understand like all of football like all at once? Um, it's impossible. But at least like trying to take it in in bite sized chunks, and that's essentially what. Mark and the rest of those cats like have, have done uh, it's it's been easier for me to better understand like what you see on the field and uh, like how you can at least 
uh, not necessarily like create expectations, but at least it's it gives you a deeper connection with the sport that that we love to watch. So we got football, Hamilton, and heavy metal music. I'm not sure if there's any other podcast out there recording that is this eclectic of a group. Uh, well, I mean, I'm just gonna say it. this was a lot of fun for me. I enjoyed chatting with all three of you fine gentlemen tonight. It's been uh, just a great evening for me. I, I don't have too many friends in real life. My bubble right now is very, very small. So this is pretty much like the only type of communication I've had with the outside world in a while. So I want to thank you for just spending the evening with me. So before we go, I'm going to thank you all for your time. And I'm going to let each one of you just kind of let the audience know where they can find you online. And if you have anything to plug, go for it. I'll start with, I'm looking at the screen on my screen, it starts with Chris in the corner, then Hassan in the middle, then John in the bottom. So we'll go in that order. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll run through my resume, which, I, again, I said is extensive. Um, the, um, so you can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. Um, so the FF is for fancy football and the WX is for weather. Um, so you can find me on, let's say, on Mondays and Tuesdays. I've got columns at 444andnumberfire.com. Uh, Wednesday, I um, have a lessons learned column over at Football Guys. On Thursdays, I have a column over at Roto World, like recapping all the news from Wednesday, uh, which I need to finish up over the next hour uh, <laughs> for tomorrow. And then on Fridays, I have the, uh, the, the weather report. So I scrape all of the weather forecast data for, for Sundays and kind of plow through like what the, if there's going to be any impact. And that's where I, I get super deep uh, into um, the, the analysis because I've looked at like stadium designs, which is probably going to get me on some sort of like terror watch list because I've looked <laughs> at like how stadiums are built. Probably not the best thing to Google. Uh, but regardless, that, that's what, you can probably find an article of mine somewhere on the internet five days a week. It's, it's a hard. It's going to be a hard act to follow after that. He writes for all the sites. Um, uh, as far as I go, no, no writing in season. But you can catch myself and Blair Andrews wherever podcast may be found at the Rotoviz uh, Fantasy Football Report. Just type those words into your search bar, Fantasy Football Report, and we'll be coming live at you every Monday morning. Um. Yeah, uh, we have an infrequent show. Uh, this is John Solis, and we have a, a show called The Solis Report. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the Herman Kane, T H E H E R M A N C A I N. Just kidding. That's a joke from the show. If you like that joke, follow me at Solis Report. S O L I S R E P O R T. Make sure you follow Devin at Devin M C I. Uh, uh, he's the brains, I'm the brawn. So, uh, follow him too. And, um, check out Devin's Solis report publication every Friday on rotaviz.com. And, um, I don't know. I, what is it? October? I'm sure we'll probably have, Oh God, look, if, look, if things don't go well in November, no fucking way am I doing a show in November. I'm sorry, but we're going to have Pat Corain on sometime. He's our next guest. Um, probably December or whenever I feel better if things don't go well. So, um, check us out. All right. And, uh, you can find me on Twitter at SalPal2. And, uh, this is a podcast that I just did with three of my friends. Thanks for listening and have yourselves a great day. Well, you know, this is amusing and lyrics that tell.
Show.